Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 259 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing on this evening? Aside from the obvious, or you can talk about the obvious if you want to, but this is a safe space. We can retreat. Somehow we can retreat to the solace of the Falcons uh, in these dark times. God, who, who would have thought we'd be saying <laughs> that right now? The solace of the Falcons? Since when yep. have the Falcons ever been a solace? We got this one week. That that might be it, but we got to enjoy it. We got to enjoy it right now. Yeah. This is absolutely the darkest timeline if we're retreating into the solace of the Falcons. Yeah, no, I've been better, Kevin. Yeah. Um, the Braves are absolutely getting wrecked right now. It's 10 to 2 in Philadelphia. And I mean, I went to game two the other night and that was, that was electric, you know, yeah, a great, a four run comeback, a five, four win. And it's like, we have all this momentum and, you know, it just all gets completely wrecked. They don't figure this shit out tomorrow. Then, you know, we really will be retreating into the Falcons. Um, Cause it's still a few more weeks until the Hawks. Start. Yeah. So, so mm, it's kind of a bad time right now. So I hope the Braves yeah. get their shit together tomorrow. Well, if, any, if anyone can do it, I feel like they can. I mean, they're they're pretty damn good. But uh, yeah, some sometimes it's sometimes it doesn't go your way. You know, we're we're very familiar. I'm very familiar with this with the Falcons, as as I'm sure all of you viewers are. Welcome in, folks. Also joining us tonight from Twitter Exile, he is Aaron Freeman uh, at Falc Fans, temporarily at Locked On Falcons. Uh, Aaron, thank you for for breaking your your silence uh, to come here onto this show. I appreciate you having me. We're talking about safe spaces. Uh, this is one for me. Um, I'm just glad to be talking Falcons football. I, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have much else to say. It's, I imagine it's there's nice. a lot of yeah, like a lot of takes are bottled up now that you just really have to get out. So, <laughs> in so, case you didn't get enough of them out on your daily podcast uh, covering the Atlanta Falcons, locked on Falcons. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Professional Definitely. plug there by me, but yes, uh, Appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Okay, we, we we got that out of the way. Now, uh, before we dive in, uh, obviously we're gonna get an update from Aaron on sort of since the last time we talked to him, uh, the extreme highs and extreme lows of Desmond Ritter in this Falcons offense. We're gonna of course dive into the Van Jefferson trade because that is actually a little bit interesting, and then we'll talk about uh, the possibility of this team maybe ending up on top of the NFC South this weekend if they happen to get a big dub. So. We'll see. Uh, it could be tied uh, if the Bucks were to lose and the Falcons were to win. Uh, they would be ahead of the Bucks technically, and then it depends on what the Saints do. But they could at least be tied for first place again. So that could be, that could be cool. Uh, but before we get too far, want to read you guys a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag, folks. Bet, football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns that you need. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Now, Falcons going up against the Commanders this week, which not expected, but somehow like maybe the worst defense they played all year, which I would not have uh, guessed that before the season. Uh, but 
Falcons, I believe, are two and a half point uh, favorites in this one. So, hey, it's a little bit interesting there. I, I think I think there's a decent chance they win by more than that this week if all goes well, or it could go horribly. So if you bet on the Falcons, you're obviously taking your life into your own hands. But no matter what you want to bet on, guys, head to the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Just remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Aaron, I want to give you the floor first just because we haven't heard your take in a while you've conveniently missed you know week three's like let down week four's ultimate depression and then week five's just somehow complete uh elation on the part of desmond ritter who at this stage has had maybe the most crazy three three uh three game stretch in terms of up and downs that i've witnessed from a falcons quarterback in a long time uh just curious like where you're at on ritter at this point i know you were with me that we were kind of both encouraged but very much wait and see and then it was a little sketchy there maybe a little bit of flash of hope what are you feeling yeah you know i i'm I'm pretty in a good spot with ritter like i i was you know my thing is always i think people get way too high off of the wins and way too low off the losses and i felt like after week two and ritter's fourth quarter like everybody was like, well, he's the guy. He's he's he he's now going to be the franchise quarterback for like the next decade or whatever. And it was like, eh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And then like after week four, he was like, well, we got to go out there and trade for Kirk Cousins. We got to tank for Drake May or whatever. And it's like, well, we'll see. Like so, like I'm, I feel like Ritter is played on Sunday against Houston like I thought he would. Right. So like that was the player that I thought we were going to get this year. It took four weeks before we got that player. And now the question is, are we going to get that player consistently for the next 12 weeks? Or is it going to be, you know, sort of the ups and down roller coaster that kind of the first month of the season is, but um, you know, I, I, I'm glad that Ritter had that sort of rebound game after, you know, what was probably the lowest point for him. Um, and that's something that you want to see. And, and time will tell if we look back at that and say that was the turning point for Desmond Ritter or we look back at that and, and look at it kind of like we looked at the 49ers game for Marcus Mariota last year, which was like, yeah, that, that was a really good game for him, but that was about it for him. So to me, it's always been a, a game of patience with Desmond Ritter, but I know like very few people have patience when it comes to these types of things and it's sort of whatever you feeling now in the moment is how you're going to feel forever. And it's like, you know, that's not really how it works, but you know, I, I get why we go through the the pendulum swings and the roller coasters and all that stuff. So I, I'm at a good place with Ritter. We'll see if how long I stay in this good place. If, if we're back <laughs> uh, to complaining about it again in, in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but you know, I, I feel like he's on track to where I thought he would be around this point in the season yeah i think that's fair that it it's very inconsistent i think that was the most likely outcome was inconsistency at least early on uh, and that's definitely what we've gotten i don't i think when you say inconsistency people think that that means average that's not what inconsistent means in fact average would probably be very consistent just consistently average whereas with ritter we've gotten some really nice flashes like you mentioned the week two of the packers game that fourth quarter Nice. Like, great job. Then you get this game against Houston, which is nice because it's actually the whole game, you know. And he does have that one turnover-worthy play, I think, uh, to Kyle Pitts that gets dropped. But on the whole, much cleaner, much better decision-making. 
um, and just played a very good game. And then you've got, of course, the, the catastrophic week four and the pretty bad week three. So it's just that's a lot of times that can be what inconsistency looks like, whereas it's really bad sometimes and it actually maybe can be really good sometimes. But I think the difference is before week five, we had only seen really bad and hadn't ever really seen really good. So now that I think there is that really good game to point to and be like, well, you've shown this. That may, I hope that that will temper things a little bit, but I, I know ultimately it will not. Speaking of tempering, uh, Adnan, the, the noted Desmond Ritter hater, uh, he's moved on from Matt Ryan to Desmond Ritter in his quest to hate every Falcons franchise quarterback uh, or just regular quarterback even. Uh, Adnan, you know, I think you, you were coming to terms with the fact that Ritter did actually play a good game on Saturday, on Sunday, and, and it was a little tough at first, but I think you were you're coming around a little bit. You're really pushing a narrative right now, Mike. <laughs> hash, um, hash, what? Come on. I don't push narratives. This is, you know, we don't do that here. There's no narratives. God, what a narrative There's no bits. Right there. There's no bits. There's no narratives. This is all 100% uh, true. No, I'm Desmond Ritter. So I'm I'm very on record when it comes to Desmond Ritter. Um, what, I, what I have on record is, I, I mean, I don't know, like in the very, very long term, I have always said that I don't think that Ritter is the franchise quarterback of this team, and I would like for the team to seek that out in the coming off season and off seasons. But we're not we're not there yet. We're not talking about this off season. We'll get to that eventually. We'll 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 get to that conversation. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. For right now, Desmond Ritter did have a very good game, the best game of his career on Sunday. I don't think that's a very hot take to say that. This game against the Houston Texans, where Desmond Ritter accounted for two touchdowns, where he had 329 passing yards, where he had zero turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, that this was the best game that he has played in his professional NFL career, eight games in so far. He he was great. He was spectacular. Um, I'm very happy that he that he played that game, and I really hope that he continues because if he continues, then this team will be successful. I don't know if you have the ceiling that you need with Desmond Ritter to advance past. I think the divisional round, or yeah, the divisional round of the playoffs. I think that right now for this team is the absolute ceiling, and it all depends on the matchup. Because I don't think that this team is good enough to really compete with the 49ers, who look really fucking good right now. And I don't think this team is good enough com- to compete with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that that's a, a very big hot take either right now. Um, but if Desmond Ritter continues playing like this, you know, we're not, he, he's going to stave off the talks of possibly yanking him, possibly going the Taylor Heineke route, which was a conversation that we were legitimately having before this past week because it's a conversation that I think we needed to have before this week because you can't get away with playing that poorly four weeks into the season. I think Ritter had two good quarters total in those first four weeks. You can't get away with playing that poorly without that conversation being had. Now, full credit to him. He bounced back very well. And, I mean, I'm going to give praise when praise is due. I'm I, I'm not like some folks. I know there's some folks uh, who are out there who are preying on Desmond Ritter's downfall. And I just, I, I don't understand that. If you're a Falcons fan who's just hoping that Desmond Ritter plays poorly so that you're right. Because, you know, if you're right, then all you get is misery out of it. And if you're wrong, 
you know, then you're making yourself miserable. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand that at all. I My Desmond Ritter takes come from just from what I've seen, just from what my opinion is. And I hope that my opinion is wrong. And I hope that Desmond Ritter end up, ends up being, you know, the franchise savior that some people think that he is. I don't know if that's going to turn out that way. But right now, all we can do is focus on on sort of the micro of this season. And the micro right now is Desmond Ritter had his best game of his career last week. He has a chance to stack that. He has a chance against a really a really sort of porous defense, porous being this past week. Um, they gave up 40 points to a Justin Fields-led Bears offense, which was absolutely on the ropes. And I mean, I know I started the Commanders in fantasy and in, in my fantasy <laughs> league, and they got um, me negative points in, in my fantasy league. So I saw firsthand just how how putrid they are from a position of rooting for them. And I mean, this this is this is a golden opportunity. You you get a Commanders team at home. Ritter still hasn't lost at home yet. That team is reeling. Sam, I like Sam Howell so far this season. Sam Howell looks pretty good, but you know. This is the this is your chance to stack it up. This is your chance to go four and two before a couple of more challenging road tests against a couple of pretty good defenses in the Buccaneers and Titans. But that's another one where we'll get to. But yeah, Desmond Ritter deserves his props. He definitely deserves his praise for this past week. And I genuinely hope that he keeps it up. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right that it, it I mean, there's just always gonna be some miserable people out there that I I don't really understand it, but maybe they're just trying to put takes out and see if their takes hit and i guess that can be fun too if like you're just there for the discourse or something but i don't know it seems kind of miserable to me but you know whatever um it's ultimately up to ritter to just win games like if he can play well enough that the team is winning and they're not held back by him uh he's gonna keep his job and through weeks three and four that was why we were having that conversation right because it looked like week three i think you could blame the offensive line just as much week four was definitely a lot on Ritter but this last week it was funny because it's sort of like it was like Ritter paid everyone back he was like oh you're gonna fumble twice and you're gonna you know have some boneheaded penalties knock us out of field goal range and we're gonna have all these issues and I'm just gonna help you overcome uh so you know I think he 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 owed the offense back a little bit the rest of the offense for week four and he and he absolutely paid them back with with a great game and now it's about getting having that happen again and we just, at this point, we don't really know how often we're going to see that. Uh, but, I mean, what, what do you think, Aaron, at, the, at this point? Do you, do you think more likely to see that version of Ritter or week four version of Ritter? Or are you going to be a coward and go right in the middle? <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to be a coward. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I, look, I, I think, I feel like the week five Ritter, because I, I believe in Ritter probably more than, uh, no, I won't even say your average Falcon fan. Um, <laughs> I, I I maybe your average Falcons podcaster. Let's, let's okay. go with that, yeah. right? Um, you know, and I'm I'm basing that entirely off of the the three of us in this room. Okay. Um, yeah. um, I feel like he should play like this because I again I I thought this was going to be the player that we would get this year, and that's why I was optimistic and confident hey this team is going to be a playoff team Ritter doesn't have to be great like it wasn't like he you know he wasn't amazing or anything but he he made the throws that he needed to make in order to put this team in a position to win um but it wasn't as if like you know 
you know, he, he wasn't Patrick Mahomes or anything is, is basically what I'm saying. Right. But like, so I feel like more of these games are, are in him. And I feel like the situation is there that if the offensive line can do their job and, you know, hopefully we'll be talking more about, you know, the potential upgrades that they've made at the wide receiver core and those guys can, you know, do their jobs. And if Kyle Pitts can look like what he did on Sunday um, and and be, you know, a featured part of the offense on a semi-regular basis, then I, I see no reason to, to think that Ritter will stop playing like this. But ultimately, if it becomes, if it boils down to Ritter can only sh- show these types of skills at home and then just lays, you know, stinkers on, on the road, like, you know, that's, that's going to be a conversation in and of itself. But um, I, I feel like Ritter is capable of this, you know, every week. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm dancing around answering your question. So yes, maybe, I don't know. We'll, okay. We'll see. Ask, you're taking a more positive about... tack. Yeah. You're, you're just going a little bit more on the, you think that you think that he actually can be, functional and not week four was like worst QB in the NFL week five was like he might be a top 10 quarterback I don't think you're saying he's gonna be a top 10 quarterback but you're saying you know probably functional Ritter is what we're gonna get on a week-to-week basis not like he's gonna tank your offense into the dirt Ritter yeah yeah like I I feel like you know I went into the season expecting the Falcons to play a bunch of close games every game is gonna be within like a score going into the fourth quarter and it was just a matter of whether or not you know the team, the defense, the running game, the quarterback make the plays to win the game. And so like after the week three game, that's why I wasn't as panicky as other people were after that, because it was like they had the chance to make the throws. Ritter didn't make the throws that they needed to make on that third and fourth down to Drake London. He missed those throws like that's bad. But like next week, he could easily make the throws. And then, of course, we got the week that we got in London. <laughs> and so it was like, uh oh, like but then like this week he was right back to making the throws. And so I think there are going to be games like the Detroit game where it's close and he misses the throws. And, you know, that week on Twitter is going to be a terrible week, you know, (laughs) but I think there's also going to be hopefully more games where he does make the throws, which is what we've kind of seen so far. If you want to look at the three games that we've won and the two games that we lost. So I think it will balance out in the end to being more favorable, but, it's probably going to be a little bit of a roller coaster as we get there. And I just think people need to embrace the highs, the lows, and just learn to enjoy the ride, even if it's going to seem terrible. <laughs> and the safety rating on this roller coaster, as Dave Choate would say, is is terrible. You're just Very, like, eh. yeah. you know, you just got to figure out a way to it, try to enjoy this ride. And, and hopefully it'll end up in the place that you want it to be. Yeah, it's like the Simpsons meme, you know. <laughs> I'm in danger, you know. <laughs> like that's that's where we are with Ritter at quarterback right now. But you know, sometimes you know the danger doesn't materialize. It's ever present, of course, but it's just out the out the window, and and maybe it doesn't doesn't get in. So uh, we'll just hope for for more good than bad from Ritter. And I think he sh- at least what he showed in Week Five was that those that type of game is is within his range of outcomes. And I think. Go, coming off the previous week, you would have thought that he had no chance to ever have a good game in the NFL, which, of course, is ridiculous. But that's just where people were, uh, ready to jump off a cliff. So let's. this brings it back to earth a little bit. So I'm glad he rebounded as strongly as it did, because now you can really see the, the whiplash of the takes just so quickly. Um, and I'm guilty of this as well. We were talking about Benchkib last week. you know. So, this, hey, things change quick in the NFL. Not for long, right? Um, let's, let's get into... 
to the Van Jefferson trade, though, because I know that's legitimately interesting to a lot of people. Um, and I mean, I, I guess I find it a little bit interesting. Um, I, I was it definitely wasn't on my radar, Van Jefferson in particular. This was not the Daniil Hunter uh, news I was looking for, but there's still time. You know, we, we got we got a ways to go. The Daniil Hunter watch continues. So far, I'm, I think I'm like over two on my watches this year. But um, you know, you got to win eventually, right? Uh, but what you did say you were a Van Jefferson fan, Aaron. I remember like being kind of a fan of him, but also kind of being like, I don't think the Falcons are going to draft him, and they obviously didn't. But but what do you think about this addition? Do you think this? has a chance to actually be a contributor or is this more of a depth sort of move? I mean, it's probably a depth sort of move, but I, I you know, at the same, again, I'm, I'm doing the maybe thing, um, but it, <laughs> got a hedge, got a hedge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I remember talking about Van Jefferson as a potential trade possibility in the, in the off season where when, when the Falcons signed Mac Hollins, it was like, I don't think the Falcons are done at wide receiver. They can't possibly be done at wide receiver. Um, and so it was like Van Jefferson, Corey Davis, of course, Hunter Renfro. I think Tyler Boyd was another name that I threw out there as guys that could be shopped, you know, and then, you know, we kind of honed in on Corey Davis over the ensuing months. But like Van Jefferson's always kind of been on the back burner. And then given how the season went for the Rams, it opened up this possibility just because, Puka Nakua suddenly became the world's greatest wide receiver. Uh, and it was just like, because this year, in really the last two years were supposed to be Van Jefferson's sort of breakout years. And last year, injuries derailed his season as well as the entire Rams organization season. And that didn't really come to fruition. And then this year, you know, with Cooper Cup being hurt to start the season, everybody was like, Van Jefferson's going to be the guy. And then Puka Nakua was the guy. And then Tutu Outwell suddenly started playing yeah. really well. And then Cooper Cup comes back, and, and now the Rams are like, yeah, we don't really need Van Jefferson anymore. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He, he fits what the Falcons want. You know, he's kind of a versatile receiver. He can play, you know, inside, outside, uh, slot, outside receiver. But really, I think that the asset that he brings that really stands out is the speed, right? Like, he's not Tyreek Hill in terms of how fast he is. But, you know, he ran a legit 4 3 9 and every now and then, if you've watched the Rams over the last couple of seasons, you will see him running a deep post and getting running past the safety and running past the corner. And then Matt Stafford just heaves up, you know, a 50-yard bomb to him. Sometimes he catches it, sometimes he doesn't. Um, but, like, that type of ability is something that has been sorely lacking on this team. The only player that really had that type of ability is Scotty Miller. And the Falcons are like, no, we're not We're not going to ask Scotty Miller to run any deep routes at all <laughs> uh, this entire season. Uh, so yep. it's like, you know, I, I mean, I get it to a certain extent. But, um, you know, av having, having that type of player in the offense, you know, because that, that's been kind of some of the things that the Falcons have struggled with, right, that – we went into the season being like, you know, no one could stop our running game. And we just kind of believed that no one would ever stop our running game. And, you know, through the first two weeks, it kind of looked like no one was going to stop our running game. Then Detroit happened. And the last couple of weeks, the run game hasn't really been getting going. And teams have basically been able to stop the run game and basically saying, hey, Desmond Ritter, can you beat us? And two out of those games, he couldn't. And this past week he did. But one of the ways that you can – force teams to stop playing you that way 
is by having that vertical stretch receiver and Van Jefferson can be that. So that's why I say like he can be a contributor, but it probably won't be a guy that's, you know, catching more than like two passes, but it could be like two passes for like 50 yards or something like that. And that that's going to be really valuable to this specific offense, given how they want to play. So I'm a fan of this move. I like that the fact that the Falcons kind of opened up their offense a little bit last week more than they did playing more three wide receiver sets. We saw more of Kadero Hodge than we saw of Mac Hollins uh, last week. We saw more of Scotty Miller getting involved in the offense. And it feels like this Van Jefferson move is moving further in that direction because I just think, you know, I know Arthur Smith will never abandon the fullback. He'll never abandon the tight end position. And certainly I think Keith Smith does not deserve to be abandoned based off how well he's played this year. You know, John Smith's been great. Kyle Pitts was great on Sunday. And I'm not saying suggesting we should abandon Kyle Pitts because uh, <laughs> you know, he, he is the unicorn. Michael Pruitt, I'm I'm a little iffier on. Um, you know, he's not he's not my guy, Mark Parker Hesse, unfortunately, you know, but Pruitt did his thing on Sunday. So I, I can't complain too loudly this week. But I do think trying to diversify the offense a little bit and spread teams out a little bit more and adding more speed is going to only benefit this team uh, in the long run. So I, I like this move. It does feel like the Falcons are headed in the quote-unquote right direction. Yeah, I I think that was just one thing you noticed was that th- while this team has a ton of physicality and a lot of big-body receivers, that and we knew that was the case, this, they weren't really willing to play Scotty Miller for whatever reason. And Kyle Pitts, is cl- like it's become clear that he's just not 100% yet. He's just not able to open up and, and be that over-the-top threat that we were hoping for this early in the season. Um, and, and he's starting to get more comfortable, clearly. Like this week, I think, was a big step forward. But he, he still wasn't able to hit that speed. And I think the idea going in was that Kyle Pitts was going to be the deep threat um, that we saw him be in his first two seasons. And just this year, he wasn't quite ready yet. And for whatever reason, Scotty Miller's not the guy, so... They're they're looking to Van Jefferson, who definitely looks a lot more like the guy they want to play out there. You know, he's six over six one. I think he's like six one and a half, over two hundred pounds. Looks a lot like the the receivers they want to play in terms of size. Um, so maybe that will lead to him getting more snaps. I don't think PFF has thought he's been a particularly good run blocker, but um, you know, we'll see. But Adnan, curious what you think about Van Jefferson coming in. Do you think he's got a potential role uh, in this receiving core? Or is this more just a uh, insurance for some of the other guys i mean this is uh this is one of those low risk tech moves because of the details of the trade were basically you're swapping a sixth or a seventh and you're taking van jefferson hopefully it it turns out better than the brian edwards experiment which ended up just being what was that of burn fifth round pick for nothing but i think uh i think we will see van jefferson in some three wide receiver sets out there um well, along with uh, with Matt Collins and and Drake London, he he is fast. He is you know uh, as Aaron mentioned, uh, a guy where you can sort of you know spread them out and pound it up the middle. Um, but Van Jefferson is one of those guys where he he's fast, as is Scotty Miller. But Van Jefferson's a lot bigger, and you know he's one of those more big bodied wide receiver that Arthur Smith seems to prefer. And I mean, yeah, Scotty Miller, like, I have no idea what's going on with the Scotty Miller experiment. I saw they gave him a couple of end arounds this past game. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically been you know, all I've seen from Scotty Miller this season. But I, I do, I do think that Van Jefferson can sort of, you know, give him, give him a bit of a run for his money 
for those for those three wide receiver sets in the slot. He's big enough to play on the outside as well. So there is a little bit of versatility if there if one of your wide receivers does has to have to go down with an injury. I think Van Jefferson is someone who he can step in and fill that void temporarily. I mean, he's someone where you know, let's be honest, he had he had an 800 yard season in in 2021. You know, it's not it's not now, but it's fairly recent. He's not very old. He's only 27 years old. Like Van Jefferson has has some legit experience of being, you know, a a very involved wide receiver. He played in that in that very very pass happy offense of uh of the Rams under Sean McVay. And you know, I think at the end of the day, even if this doesn't work out, even if Van Jefferson goes the way of Brian Edwards, you haven't really lost anything. You you went back, you know, a few draft spots at the on late day three when we're pro when we'll probably be, you know, asking the Falcons to trade that pick preemptively anyway, so that we don't have to stay on the draft show for the entire six hours. So I mean it, it's a low it's a low risk, you know, sort of moderate reward. High upside move for us, yeah. Yeah, you, you add in another weapon and I, I get it from the Rams perspective because this is the last year of Van Jefferson's contract. They weren't going to bring him back. The other guys on the wide receiver hierarchy sort of jumped him. And, you know, this is Van Jefferson now has a chance at uh, at sort of a fresh start here in Atlanta where, you know, Atlanta will definitely be able to use a speed if, you know, if Arthur Smith dials it up. They want to. uh, and, And if the pass blocking can sort of stay upright and, you know, give give some time for those long developing routes to develop. I think it's interesting, certainly. Um, I like th- I like adding a little bit more speed because the Falcons just... Kyle Pitts, when he's healthy, is a great separator. There's no doubting that. And it seems like Jonu Smith is really emerging as that guy, as that like short yardage, yards after catch, you know, separation tight end in, in sort of Kyle Pitts as he's recovering. You know, Drake London, not necessarily a guy that ever creates a ton of separation, just really savvy. So if they're not going to use Scotty Miller getting another option out there who, who can separate both with route running and deep speed. I think that's only going to be a good thing for the offense and will help diversify things a little bit more uh, for the looks that they run. And hopefully we'll be able to clear out some stuff uh, more effectively because if you've, you guys haven't watched, there was, there was a new quarterback school dropped uh, today that went into Desmond Ritter's good game. And, you know, it was nice to see uh, Ritter making some better decisions and um, you know, I think that there was a lot of good stuff brought up on that video and also the the critical one the week before also brought up a lot of good stuff about like the Falcons have all these big bodies out there, but some of these clear out routes that they're running to clear up space, they're they're not getting a lot of space on these routes because a lot of these receivers aren't exactly burners. So they're running this clear out route and it looks like they're running a route to the same place because of the speed people are running routes. So uh, maybe getting some more guys in there that can, can create a little more separation, get a little more distance uh, can't hurt. And I also think it's underrated that, look, if they if they need someone to come in and play, you know, right now if there's an injury, it's it's Kaderil Hodge basically or or Scotty Miller that have to be inserted as as a starter. Maybe now that can be Van Jefferson, and you feel a little bit better about him stepping into a, a role because he's shown that he can carry the load uh, as as a receiver that catches you know at least a few passes a game regularly, uh, given his his 2021 season with Los Angeles and you know, hoping for the best there. And we'll see again, like, like both of you guys mentioned, it's a, it's a very low risk, low cost move. So if he's just a good depth receiver for you, then that's fine. 
um, you know, it's not like you really lost a lot. And if he's more than that, then you look like a genius. So it, it's all good. Um, I, I think I think there's not really any reason not to make this move, especially since it sounds like the Rams were inclined to to work with the Falcons, which is always nice to see that you know teams can just do a little move like this that helps both sides. And you know, it, it's it's nice. It's, it's very it seems very cordial. You know, it's a very you know handshake business relationship between two franchises. It's not all contentious or, or spicy or something. And I did like the shade that Arthur Smith threw at apparently some teams that are quote comical to, to work with on the trade market. So um I wanna know I, I wish I knew who he was subtweeting with that comment. But I, I always yeah. I always feel like he's talking yeah. about the Jets. I mean, yeah. You think it's you think it's hashtag Corey Davis watch? You think that was the, the I, <laughs> He said something this summer about the joint practices and he, he made a snide comment about how some people run their joint practices and I was like are you talking about the Jets again? Like, do you just hate the Jets? <laughs> and so anytime he says something about how other organizations run their thing, I just always assume he's talking about the Jets. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, given what we know about that organization. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that would be funny if it was the Jets. Uh, I did like the little, the little shade he threw there. Um, before we move on to some other stuff here, let me get to a donation from Vil Vats with the $5. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. He says, at what point this season do you think the offense will be firing on all cylinders? The Texans game was encouraging, but something doesn't seem to be clicking. What do you think is the cause of this? Is it the offensive line, quarterback, wide receivers, all three, whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a multifaceted issue over the last several weeks. Um, I I would hope that things are settled by November. Like, I think you kind of have to know who you are by November, or you're probably never going to find out, or you're going to spiral one, one way or another. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I mean, it does take time for some things to come together, particularly when you have a new quarterback in there. But yeah, I would say probably by November, we need, we'll have an idea of, is this going to be just very inconsistent or are they going to start to have some sort of something build here that we could be proud of or not proud of? I don't know. We'll see, but curious what you guys think. When, when would you expect to see, or at least sort of have your, either have the offense firing or not? When, when do you sort of expect to know about that? I've kind of been thinking like after the bye week, so basically late November, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. time. I, I figure we'll we'll still be on this roller coaster for a couple more weeks. All right, we got some road games coming up, so I, I still feel you know those are still a little shaky uh, at, at this point in time. And you know, my hope is that with some of the road games that they have down the stretch, they'll be able to uh, you know take care of business, and and that will be them. You know, firing on all cylinders, being that well-oiled machine, all, all the idioms, um, and and that will be when they make their playoff push. So that's my expectation. But you know, I would of course love to see a well-oiled machine in October uh, at this point. But November seems, you know, Thanksgiving seems sort of the timeline I have in my head. Yeah, seems about right. What, what do you think, Adon? Yeah, go ahead. November fifth. November fifth, exactly. <laughs> November fifth. Uh, yeah, well, no. November fifth. They faced okay. the Vikings on November 5th, and that defense is god-awful. They faced the Cardinals after that. That defense is god-awful. And then, you know, they go into their bye week. So, you know, I, I I think sort of with this offense specifically, I think who you play will matter a lot. Um, and I think these next two weeks after the Commanders game are going to be two, two defenses, which will give them a lot of problems because – there are two defenses which sort of play the run very well, and that's that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Titans, I've 
I've mentioned it over and over again. They're coming off of a bye week. The Falcons will be coming off of probably a very emotional uh, divisional game against a Buccaneers team whom they may be facing for first place uh, on on October 22nd. So, you know, that that's going to be a, a scheduling disadvantage for them right there. But I don't think that this offense is really going to sort of, you know, hit, hit the ground running against these two teams. But I think there's a, there's definitely an opportunity when it comes to that to that Vikings game. And I, I think the Vikings, I think I saw they, they blitz more than anyone in the NFL. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a predictable play calling. And, you know, I'm hoping Arthur Smith is able to, you know, find, find some, find some things to negate that a little bit. Get some quick throws out there. Not, you know, not, very full four or five second dropbacks where you're just waiting and waiting like like we've seen here and there uh, in the first four weeks before this past game um but the vikings present a very very valuable opportunity as sort of a get right defense for any offense in the nfl and i think that's where that's where momentum will start to build that game and, and the cardinals even though the cardinals game is on the road um you know that's one of those games where I mean, shit, James Conner may or may not be in that game. Justin Jefferson's going to miss that Vikings game. Um, I know those guys are on the offensive side of the ball and we're talking about the Falcons offense, but, you know, that, that those two games will be a very a very good opportunity for the Falcons to sort of go into the bye week, figuring some things out, and to go into the bye week with, with some momentum on their side with a, a big game against the New Orleans Saints on the other side of that bye. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they they need to be playing better, like more consistently by then, or probably just looking at a extremely inconsistent offense. Um, which maybe that is the case, but I, I don't think we, I don't think we know yet. And I know people are just, I, I understand it. It's like a human nature thing that you just want answers, like you just want to know because uncertainty is uncomfortable. Um, totally understand that. But we're 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 I think we're still a ways away from really knowing <laughs> what this team is going to be like this year. The one thing I think we we do know um, now after five games, and I want to get your take on this too, Aaron. Because I think last time we talked was it week two or week three that we had you on last? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Sometime we have you on a lot, so it all it all blends together. <laughs> but um, I think it was like after the Panthers game. And, like, we were like, oh, the defense played well, but, like, it was the Panthers. They look like a disaster. Now it's been a lot longer. We've seen this defense actually be consistently good uh, and basically better than my wildest dreams certainly coming into the season. I'm curious how you feel now seeing, you know, five games of this defense. Do you think this is actually a legit unit? It's not just a flash in the pan after a couple of weaker opponents to start the season. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it's legit in in the sense of I think they can be counted on to play well and play winning football and and put this team in a position to win each and every game. And it goes back to the question we just talked about: Will the offense, you know, take advantage of those opportunities? Sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't. And and so like I, I feel like that side of the ball on defense has consistently shown up this year. So I I expect them to continue to consistently show up. And I think the one thing that would potentially be their Achilles heel would be a extremely high powered offense with a really good quarterback, because the one issue that this team has not really been able to do defensively is get consistent pressure on the quarterback. Right. Um, especially when they only rely on rushing for a lot of their pressure 
tends to come from, you know, dialing up pressure. And they've been effective doing that. But I don't know if you could do that against a high-level quarterback. But then, you know, due to Aaron Rodgers being off the schedule, you've already dealt with Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff, who are arguably the, the next two best quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, I guess, is number four on that list, maybe. But he's going to be without Justin Jefferson. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins without Justin Jefferson. Um, and then, you know, C.J. Stroud kind of surprisingly, I, yeah. I guess, to a lot yeah. of folks, it would probably round out the top five in terms of top quarterbacks. Although, you know, I wouldn't sleep on Josh Dobbs at home. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that Baker goes. Mayfield, but, uh, <laughs> Derek Carr, the slander. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like I feel like the one thing like there, there, there is no Joe Burrow on this schedule like we yeah. saw last yeah. year with Cincinnati, where it was just like there's really nothing the Falcons can do. <laughs> to stop that type of offense. And I, I don't think they have any of those teams. So um, I feel pretty good about how kind of the schedule is set up unless, you know, suddenly Ryan Tannehill, you know, takes a, a big turn. You know, maybe, maybe Anthony Richardson becomes a, a real big problem by the end of the season. Maybe Justin, weeks. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe Justin Fields has, has figured it out by the, the Fields end of the season. But, yeah. you know, but like, sitting here right now, I, I feel like you feel pretty confident that this defense, there's not going to be any, like, I honestly think Sam Howell and the, and the commanders are probably going to be the toughest offense that they face probably between now and the bye week. Yeah. Um, and so if they can take care of business this week, then I see no reason why I shouldn't expect them to take care of business in perpetuity. So uh, I feel really good about this defense. The one concern I think is the pass rush, but right now I'm just kind of at a point where it's like, maybe it'll, you know, uh, this is the get right game that you need going up against Washington. Cause everybody gets like five sacks <laughs> against the team. Right. So, you know, I, I'll be much more concerned if the Falcons come away with only like two or three sacks in this game. And I'm like, all right, you know, what, what's going on guys. But um, you know, so I, I feel, I feel real good about the defense at this point. And I feel like, you know, if they can get through this week and, and again put another good game on film, then it's going to be hard to question this defense moving forward. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, kind of been waiting for the back to earth moment for this defense, and it's never come. I feel like they're just playing better. Um, it has been weird that they are like fourth in the NFL in pressure rate, but like to have five sacks. They're like they, I think they're like one of the only. I think they're the, the team in the top ten of pressure rate with by far the fewest sacks. I think only two other teams have less than ten in the top 10 of pressure rate. And they have like said it, they had like seven and nine. So like, and they were the ninth and 10th teams also. So like something weird's going on with this. They're getting pressure, but not getting sacks. You know, is it the personnel? Is it an aberration? I think this week is the week we find out if like they can get sacks because Sam Howell will take sacks. That's, that's sort of his, that's his weakness. Like he, he thinks he's a hero and has been a hero several times, but also, like, I mean, he takes sacks. It's just kind of what he does. So um, now maybe he can improve from that. Maybe he gets better. Uh, but this is certainly a situation where you feel like you could, you should be able to at least get on the board in the sack department, which they haven't done, I think, for two weeks now. So um, it would be nice to get some sacks here. But, yeah, I mean, on that note, Adnan, what do you think about, about this defense going into, uh, well, staying in Atlanta, but going up against the commanders? I mean, you can't help but feel confident about this defense Given what you've seen so far, I think they've. I think it's fair outside of the the sack department. I think it's fair to say that they have sort of exceeded our expectations in in the early going. Like they they won that game against the Texans. They they did everything possible to try and put you in position to win those games. 
against the against the Jaguars and against the Lions. They were a little bit shaky against the Packers, but they completely buckled down and locked it down in the fourth quarter, once again giving you that chance, giving the offense that chance to make their comeback. And, I mean, you know, this goes back to exactly what I was saying regarding the offense as well. The schedule helps. Like, the schedule helps out a lot because, you know, I think think Aaron's right that, you know, arguably Sam Howell is – the best quarterback you'll face until the bye week, uh, depending on what you think of Baker Mayfield, because Baker looks like he's having a bit of a resilient season this year. I'm a I'm a big Kirk Cousins guy in general, but yeah, it's it's gonna it's never it's never a small thing to lose the best wide receiver in the NFL and to not be able to to have him on the field because you know no disrespect to KJ Osborne, but. I don't think he's Justin Jefferson, and they'll they'll be asking him to fit, fill the shoes of that X wide receiver role. Um, so I, I mean, you have you again, you have an opportunity here. The Buccaneers, uh, that's been a more of a frisky offense than the, than what you've expected. But you know, maybe Mike Evans is out for that game. You know, he he's nursing that hamstring injury. He has a history of those, and if he's out or if he's limited then that team, that offense isn't the same offense, you know, as they are with Mike Evans fully healthy. The Tennessee Titans, you know, they're they're riding on the back of a of an aging Derrick Henry who's sort of showing his age right now. I mean, Derrick Henry looks more ineffective now than he has in, in a number of years, and I think that's natural given how many carries he's taken in his NFL career and in his football playing life. Um you know, the commander's offensive line has been an absolute disaster so far this season. And, you know, hopefully you are able to pressure and to get Sam Howell onto the ground. You know, the Cardinal the Cardinals offense is actually really frisky. Like the Cardinals <laughs> they're, they're weirdly look, spicy. Yeah. Like yeah. that's why I say don't sleep on Josh. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not sleeping on the card like I've been I've been saying like all season, like the card the Cardinals may have something cooking out there. I really like Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I really like James Conner. I think he, I think he will be back by then because that's more than four weeks from now. I don't think this injury is gonna. I think he'll be fully healthy from that injury. Josh Dobbs looks, he looks pretty good. Yeah. Like he, he genuinely looks pretty good. And there's a chance that maybe there's an outside chance that maybe Kyler Murray's even healthy for that game. But I mean, oddly enough, like that Cardinals, that Cardinals team looking at the schedule, like that Cardinals offense may scare me more than any other offense. <laughs> you know, up until the bike. Yeah. I would have thought at the beginning of the season. Like that offensive yeah. line looks pretty good too. Like it looks a lot better than what was expected. But I mean, yeah, this this schedule is just giving this team so many opportunities because this is this was the easiest schedule on paper going into the season. And I mean, yeah, the fact that you don't face a star quarterback at all all season is it it, it it's something that I really hope this team takes full advantage of, and so far they have. So far the defense has, and so far I, you know, I I don't really have any complaints other than you know let's let's get the quarterback on the ground a little more. But if the pressure rate stays high, I, I think that'll come. I think that'll that'll sort of regress to the mean mean as as it always does. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I. I've been impressed with the defense. I, I I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I 
and then on the offensive side, you know, and we got some donations to get here in a second too. I'll get to those folks. Um, going up against the commanders, I think this is like the first time now in a few weeks where we we're going up against a, a run defense that has actually been pretty bad. So I do wonder, uh, Aaron, do you think this is the week that we see the run game sort of come back into prominence here uh, against this commanders defense, which let's see, uh, 4.8 yards per carry and over 133 rushing yards per game. Not great numbers, uh, Aaron, for the Washington Commanders against the ground game. It, it should be. You know, one of the trends I noticed with Washington, they they place, they've faced a lot of mobile quarterbacks, and that has contributed to some of their struggles because I don't think they necessarily have the speed on the perimeter on defense and at the linebacker position to really handle that sort of thing. So I do wonder if the Falcons lean a little bit more on Desmond Ritter's running this week to try to take advantage of that. Um so, like, I I do feel like this is a game where the Falcons can, you know, get back to running the football. But you do wonder a little bit with some of the question marks up front with, you know, what's Caleb McGarry's status going to be, you know, if Storm Norton can sort of pick up the slack there. You know, Jonathan Allen has routinely dominated uh, whoever we've put at left guard the last couple of seasons um, in this matchup. And, you know, Matthew Bergeron's had his moments as a rookie, but like, I feel like if the Jonathan Allen that we come to see the last couple of years shows up, like it's going to be another rough outing for him. Like it was when he faced Kenny Clark in week two. So um, those are some of the questions I have, but I, I do feel like the run game, you know, I, I, I go into every game expecting the run game to be effective. And then when it's not, it's like, I don't know what happened. You know, what like going that, that sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I feel like Washington does have the opportunity to be that sort of get right game for them. Yeah, I, I think so too. But Adon, curious your thoughts there too. Do you think the Falcons uh, get get it going? Should should we, you know, should we feed Bijan gets fed? Does he get another hundred yard game? What, what do you think about the the offense going I'm up against that one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. all Literally, I tweeted that. I tweeted that he fumbled the very next snap. That was not cool, (laughs) Bijan. That was very, that was extremely uncool. But other than that, yes, feed Bijan. But uh, I mean, I just think that's just the nature of this offense. No matter who you're facing, they're going to be run first. Like this, I don't think that this is a team which is good enough in, in the passing attack to where you can sort of you know, switch it out to where, all right, like this game, we're going to be more pass first. This game, we're going to be more run first. And I know like, you know, a lot of teams have their own identity and lean on their own identity. But I think, sort of think Atlanta leans on its own identity more than any other team does. And in, in the we'll probably, maybe with, with exception of the Chiefs who, who have, you know, Pat Mahomes and, you know, those guys who are just like, air rating with Travis Kelsey and Mahomes is making every single wide receiver around him look competent, no matter, you know, how good or bad they are. But Atlanta really, really likes to run the ball. And I, I think I don't care. Even if you had the, the front seven of the 1985 Chicago bears out there, the Falcons will will try to establish a run first and foremost. And then, you know, depending on what the defense does, then then there's going to be some adjustments made on the offense. Like, for example, so with the Texans, who were really sort of selling out to stop the run, and who did? They, yeah, they stopped they the run successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they held Atlanta's uh, run game to 2.7 yards per carry on 36 rushing attempts. Like, that, that's, that's not a – that's no small feat, but we saw it 
saw a lot of stack boxes. We saw a lot of run blitzes. They dared Desmond Ritter to beat them. And, you know, I think that's going to be something that we see in this game. And I think that's going to be something we see moving forward to the point until Ritter does it consistently enough to the point where other teams sort of stop selling out to stop selling out to stop the run. But even then, I think there'll be more erring on the side of stopping the run because I don't think that this passing attack, you know, is going to be better than this rushing attack at any point this season. And basically, this is just my long-winded way of saying that, yeah, I think the Falcons are going to go into this game and every single game by default, leaning on the run, leaning on Bijan Robinson, leaning on Tyler Algier. And I think Washington, what Washington does in trying to halt that run game, they're going to give Desmond Ritter an opportunity to beat them. And on, I think this week he will. I think there's going to be some defenses where he's not going to be able to. But, you know, Washington this week, you know, especially especially looking the way of, of a cornerback like an Emmanuel Forbes, who's just gotten cooked game after game this season. Um you know, Benjamin St. Juice is solid. Uh, Kendall Fuller is is very good, but he, he had a very bad performance last week. But, you know, there is – the Washington secondary looks vulnerable. And I think this will be a game where you can sort of make them pay for selling out to stop the run. But that's not to say that the, that the Falcons are going to go out there and start aerating it uh, yeah. in the beginning of the game. I think they're going to go out there – and they're always going to try to establish the run. And then whatever happens afterwards will be dictated and predicated on on what the defense decides to do and, and how they decide to attack the Atlanta Falcons offense who are going to be attacking them with, with runs. Yeah. it's. I'm interested to see you know how they match up here. I mean, it. it we've seen basically Emmanuel Forbes just get annihilated out there um so you know the falcons obviously are going to try to go after him in the passing game but the secret to really good run defense that i think a lot of folks don't realize it is like everybody has to tackle like you have to get good tackling from the defensive line the linebackers the safeties but also the corners and like the the commanders do have two pretty good run defending corners and kendall fuller and benjamin st juice but emmanuel forbes has been a complete liability in that regard and you know that Unfortunately, their starting linebacker Cody Barton has also just been really bad tackling. So it's that's where you're going to see this team target. Um, this, they still have a good defensive line, but if you're if you're trotting out a, a guy like Emmanuel Forbes on the outside and your linebackers aren't tackling well, then it's you're going to get that defensive line blocked up. And if that run gets past the first level, then you're going to have big problems. Which unfortunately, that's what sort of Bijan's specialty is. And I think they're going to have more success against this unit than they did against uh, the the uh, the Texans last week. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I do think they've got a chance, certainly, to to make something happen there um, successfully. So we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, before we wrap up here, guys, let me get to these donations. We got Jason Gaines with the two dollars. Thank you, Jason. He says. Current Giants offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield uh, had to enter the game this week against Miami. That's true. Uh, and did not perform well. PFF literally get, gave him a zero in pass blocking. <laughs> I didn't even think that was impossible. I thought that was impossible. It's not. 
He says, I think he might need to consider his secondary career of working for the Mayfield Dairy Company. Yeah, that, that's a good that's a good deep cut. I, I didn't I never put that joke together until now. But um, yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, man, Jalen Mayfield, he's getting a chance to play. And then, yeah, it, it did not go well for him. So that unfortunately uh, Mayfield continuing to struggle even in a new situation. So. Uh, we met we met Jalen Mayfield's dad, and he was very nice. So uh, you know, I'm not going to slander Jalen Mayfield. He's no longer a Falcon, so he's 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 free of slander for me now. To be fair to Jalen Mayfield, it has not gone well for any Giants offensive line yes, this season. So that's he's, true. He's he's fitting in nicely with his new team. That's what. I'll yes, say. he's embraced the culture over there on yeah. the New York Giants offensive line room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, big struggles there for Jalen Mayfield. Um, we got Moonstar with the $5 says, if the Falcons lose to Arizona, I will never forgive them for losing to Josh Jobs, who looks like little Bill. So uh, thank you, Moonstar, for that. Uh, that that's, that's, I don't understand that reference. I probably, maybe I should. Um, but some, some of these, I feel like, I feel like I'm an old man now. I'm not getting any of these references. So I just turned 30. So, you know, I already can't understand the TikToks. It's only a matter of time, but um, <laughs> we got the George it's, it's, it's like that. It's like that Simpsons, uh, it's like that Simpson scene yeah. where Grandpa Simpson is talking to Homer, and he's like, uh, "I used to know what it was, and then they changed what it was, and then I didn't." And that's going to be you one day. Yeah, that's going to be yes. Am I out of touch? No, no. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh God, it's coming. I can feel it. All right, we got George Costanza to three dollars. Says, "I feel good about this defense. That's something I never thought I'd hear from a Falcons analyst." Although at least we didn't draft Evan Neal. I was pounding the table for him, and now I'm glad the Falcons don't listen to my dumbass. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think he had a chance to draft Evan Neal. I think he went No, he went the- before. He did. But he was definitely someone we were considering, I remember. Um, I didn't it's think he would fall. Calling yeah. out the fans. It's bad when, when you as a football player are calling out like the fans, and then you're putting on performances the way that Evan Neal is like putting on... Like, you have yeah, to be bad good. luck. Yeah, be bad good luck. if you're gonna call out the fans. Yeah, you ain't good enough to be an asshole. So yeah. <laughs> can't, like, can't I mean, be doing look, that. If Travis Kelsey called out the Chiefs fans or Pat Mahomes called out the Chiefs for whatever reason, then it's like, all right, you're going out there and you're balling. It's like you know. But if you're if you're calling out the fans and you're playing like dog shit, it's like what, like what are we what are we doing here? Like you you have to have some some perspective here. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do. So. We got one more from Raymond with the five dollars. Uh, I'm late, but did we touch on how bad the offensive line play was on non-trickery plays? No, we didn't. I, I did want to actually touch on Storm Norton, Toledo legend Storm Norton, by the way. Ooh, uh, the eye of the storm. You know, I'm just saying. Like, I was like, oh, I, I thought I think he might be a solid swing tackle, and Aaron was like, oh, really? You think he? You know? <laughs> So so I, <laughs> that's actually why he invited you on this show. This yeah, is I I've been waiting. Yep, I, I've been I've been lulling you into a false sense of security for the last fifty minutes just so I could drop this bomb on you. So you know. So uh, what yeah, do you think he, he, now, he, Aaron? <laughs> he definitely exceeded my expectations, but uh, we'll see if he yeah. can do that two weeks in a row. That's yeah. that's going to be the question. No, I, yeah. He, he, I'm not calling for McGarry to get benched for Storm, by the line? way. But yeah, it's it's like post game, like the O line with Storm Norton, not Caleb McGarry is like taking a group <laughs> picture together, and it's like <laughs> Caleb's like, what, what the fuck, guys? Like you know, they it's just weird, like, like yeah, they both have the long like blonde hair or whatever, and it's just like, aren't you guys the same guy? Like what's oh, going wait, on here? What's, what? 
Who is that? Like, is that, oh, is that Caleb? I thought that was Caleb. I thought that was you. It's a storm. I didn't realize. <laughs> he just it. sort of wandered into the frame. Like, hey, what's <laughs> yeah. up? Yep. Yeah, but I mean, good for him. He definitely had a great game, um, you know, especially coming in cold like that. Played more than half the snaps uh, and looked good. You know, I again, like we've seen a lot of bad from Storm Norton as a pass blocker. A lot of good as a run blocker from his history. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at this stage... I mean, maybe he has improved. He's had some time, you know, outside of Los Angeles. He's had some time to continue working on his technique. Offensive line is one of those positions where sometimes it does take a long time. Like, it, it it's a slow build. Some Sometimes guys find it late in their career and, and end up becoming, you know, solid players. So it, I wouldn't rule it out for him. He was always a guy that I think had great developmental potential due to his size and athletic ability. But, you know very raw sort of technique wise and maybe he is putting it together good for him um but yeah i mean i i think people are getting a little bit weird about like oh we need to bench Caleb mcgarry because 40 good snaps from store like maybe let's calm down a little bit like i'm pushing the toledo legend more than most and i think we probably need to relax Look, a if, bit. if he shuts down montez sweat yeah then, then i think we can have a conversation go for about it benching Caleb McGarry, but yeah, yeah yeah until that until that happens i think we need to pump the brakes a little bit yeah we're gonna we need to relax on that take just a little bit, you know, but shout out to Toledo legend Storm Norton. Uh, you know, now the Falcons coincidentally have two of the players I actually watched live in person when I was briefly at University of Toledo for like three years. Uh, Logan Woodside and Storm Norton were both there uh, for, for that. Uh, I saw like a, I saw a game in the box seats in Toledo Stadium that they were both playing in. Um so it's, it's just weird that, like, it's like, oh, it, it's only happened two times, but it's weird that it's happened at all, you know? Um, these two random Toledo players ended up in Atlanta. So this is kind of a cool coincidence. So shout out to those guys. Uh, Who was the receiver that they had, that really good receiver? Oh, yeah. Um, what was his name? I know you're talking about. Um, Eric Page? Maybe. That, Maybe. I, Maybe. I, I'm, I'm I don't know. Like, I'm going to look it up, but Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I know you're talking. I know exactly you're talking about who was that like their big time receiver that year. That uh, I can't remember where he went. I don't think it ever it worked out for him in the NFL. But um, no, yeah, it did not. But he was he was good in college. I mean, hell of a season there. But um, yeah, guys. Uh, okay, <laughs> got George one more squeaked it in here. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is for you, Adnan. Uh, says Adnan, you seem to be in good spirits despite the despite the Elder Express's uh, showing tonight. Uh, we're not dead yet. We got Strider coming on Friday. Yeah, uh, is there any hope for the Braves, Adnan? What do you think? There's some hope. the yeah. The hope is because you'll have a you'll have the advantage in the pitching matchup the next two days. So that that's where the hope comes in because you know pitching is what matters. It's like defense in in the other sports. That that's the most important thing, and you'll have You'll have an advantage with with the pitcher tomorrow, and possibly in Game Five with Max Freed. Um, the only issue is, man, these guys fucking own us. Like the Phillies <laughs> are owning this team right now, and you have to mentally like overcome that, especially in Philadelphia. So, you know, it's so, sometimes it doesn't even matter how good you are if you just if you're just mentally defeated, then you know it won't matter. But Hopefully, I mean, I have some hope. I have some hope that they'll be able to turn it around. But yeah, if they lose, if they lose tomorrow, it'll be a whole another year of just like taking shit from Philly fans and you know, fucking hate Philadelphia fans. So that that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Mad Tom, Deontay Johnson. I think that was the receiver. I think you're right about that. Okay. Um, yeah, 
because Logan Woodside was 2018 and then Deontay Johnson was 2019. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's correct. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Deontay Johnson actually did have a decent NFL career. Um, you know, started hot, maybe a little bit cooler the last couple of years, but until yeah. Matt Canada showed up, man, Canada's cold. He's cooling off I that offense. Be fine this season. And I'm not just saying that as someone who has Deontay Johnson in my main fantasy league and someone who really needs him to play well, but you know what? I, I'm, Saw some stuff from Deontay in the preseason. I saw some stuff in week one before the injury. I think Deontay will have a nice bounce back after after this IR stint. So, God, I hope he, he has a, a nice bounce back. I really yeah, you, need him. You need that? Yeah. You have some ulterior motives? Yeah. I already lost Nick Chubb. I lost Uh-oh. James Conner. Like, it's been a rough fantasy season for me It's, it's well. been rough. I really yeah. need DeAndre Johnson to come through for me. When, when Justin Jefferson went down, I was like, well, okay, I'm done with fantasy this year. Okay, Thanks. well, I lost, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I took him number one in the draft I was in. I'm yep. like, he's gonna, I'm going to ride him to yep. the end. I'm it was already go- struggling in that league. It's yeah. done. It's done. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's brutal. Yeah. No, I mean, they – yeah, I, I can't relate. I think all I think all my teams have winning records, and three of them are undefeated. So oh, you know, no, can't relate. Still- yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, can't relate, guys. Um, my dynasty league, you know, I, both of my running backs were hurt, but I'm still three and two, so I, I can't I can't complain too much. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, that that combo was lethal in week one. You know, not less lethal since week one, but we're we're skating by. I just got to weather the storm. You know. So that's what good teams do. They just got to get through. Got to get through the rough patch. I'm confident you guys, you know, can do the same. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, we got a chance this week to get to four and two uh, and maybe tie for the lead in the NFC South. So, hey, I mean, I think there's a decent chance. If the Falcons win, I think they'll probably be tied for the lead in the NFC South this week. I uh, yeah, have the- a hard time seeing the Bucks beat the Lions, but I mean, it could happen. I, I mean, if the Falcons win and the Bucks lose, the Falcons are ahead of them. Yeah, yeah, because they'll be three. But it's the Saints. Like, if the Saints win, too, then they'll both be four yeah. and two, I believe. So, Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, but the Falcons will have the tiebreaker over the Saints because of division record so far. So the, they'll temporarily still be in first uh, going into that game against the that, And that game against the Bucks is suddenly a lot more consequential yeah. than, than we thought it would be. Uh, I mean, shout out, shout out to the Bucks. They they've looked they've looked very good. They're three and one, and you know they're humming along over there. Um, again, for the record, I I did pick that as a loss in July, so I hope <laughs> I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I did. I expected them to split with the Bucks, so if they win two against the Bucks, that would be nice. But I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, guys, thanks again. Uh, the show, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. Check out BetOnline.ag. Your betting needs before we take off. I want to thank, of course, Aaron Freeman. You can find him temporarily at Locked On Falcons. I think that's the at for. Is that is that what you're based like Loki using Aaron at this point? Pretty much, pretty much. Okay, gotcha. You know, but and so, still so follow at Falc fans. You know, you're circumventing Twitter rules. I'm I'm gonna get Elon Musk. <laughs> well, that's a professional account. Yeah, was you know unsuspended before the Falc fan suspension, so it's not breaking any rules if you know you already had a well-established account. Now, if you create a secondary account after you've been suspended, that's yes. where things go wrong. I've no. become an expert on Twitter. Say, rules. Aaron, it sounds like <laughs> you know a lot about Twitter suspension. Right <laughs> Very knowledgeable. Well, we're going to, at least we have that bank of information now in our back pocket. Uh, Aaron Freeman really going above and beyond in his investigative reporting on the, the dark and seedy underbelly of Twitter's yes. suspension policies, which, uh, 
we'll just all be thankful that you know we're not having to deal with them but uh we appreciate Aaron's time obviously thanks thanks man for coming on uh, anything you'd like to plug in the meantime no I just you know since I got suspended for saying violent things I'll just say <laughs> Elon you know don't you know check to see before you turn on your car you know you know those old mob movies and and stuff the I'm horse head in the bed you know that sort of thing yeah you know, yeah. Just, you know <laughs> violence you know you haven't seen violence yet my friend uh, based and, off and, of what the violent Arnold rhetoric yeah. Elon Musk is a viewer of the show <laughs> <laughs> I saw him so. chatting here once yeah he's one of the 109 <laughs> people viewing us right now yes I would, yeah, you know, Elon. Where, where's Elon's donations? If Elon's watching, he better throw us a fiver. <laughs> throw me a five spot, Elon. Come on, I know you got it. Yeah, but, but, maybe I wouldn't have a grainy camera if Elon. <laughs> yeah, if Elon was pulling his weight, geez, making George do everything. You know, we got Elon Musk in here, but um, yeah, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Also, thanks for my co-host Adon Ikich at Say Which Way. Adon, anything you're working on, you'd like to plug? I think Corey's right. Uh, Aaron, you're gonna end up on an FBI watch list, not just uh, you're not just gonna be suspended from life here pretty soon, <laughs> aka jail. Yeah, but no. um, yeah, no, my weekly articles, fantasy sudden dud, or sorry, what if we win or lose, as well as series history. I haven't started on either of those, it's already Wednesday, so I really need to start on right now. This those. is that outside accountability, you know, you're saying it now, the people will be expecting it, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very I mean, much. hey, I, I haven't. E- even though I, I just barely got got it in at the buzzer last week, I, I haven't. Uh, I've been very consistent, unlike yeah. our quarterback. Oh, got him! <laughs> well, yeah. nice job. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just <laughs> throw, throw a little jab in there. Yeah, for, there for, for the brand, for, for, of course. For, yeah, you know, for the narrative that, that Kevin seems to yes, be pushing. Yes, I'm just pushing um, this narrative relentlessly. Yeah. Also, I would like to um, I would like to make a plea uh, to the Atlanta Falcons to not embarrass themselves with Matt Ryan calling the game this week. So please, yes. Matt Matt Ryan will be on the call at CBS. So let's let's put on a good showing for the hopefully future Hall of Famer and greatest Atlanta Falcon of all time. Um, Yep. Let's let's go to four and two, and you know let's let's ride that high of being two games above five hundred again. Let's. I really want to get back to that. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's that's the hope. We can keep uh keep this thing rolling this week, which is the topic of tonight's show. And I think they've got a good chance to keep it rolling against the commanders. I think we can we have a pretty good shot to get to forward too. The Falcons obviously are unbeatable at home, so very confident in, in this matchup. Um it's just the road games now. That's the problem. Uh <laughs> so you know. At least if you win all your home games, you won't have, you know, uh I guess you could technically still have a losing record depending on how it how it yeah, shakes we'll out. Be nine and eight. But, we have yeah. home games right? So we got it in the bag. Yeah. So we got the home games down. We just gotta yeah, steal an away game or two. Yeah, we're all good. So And the thing if the if the division is bad enough, you know, you could have a home playoff game and then you win that one too. Yep. Then we just keep it rolling. Keep it see how far we can take this thing. Until we have yeah, to play the, on the road, we're we'll be good. So Yeah, the the issue is that, you know, You'll only have a winning record every other year in that case. But hey, that's much better than what we've got in the last five years. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Maybe yeah. I'll even sign up for that. <laughs> there we go. I would take it at this point. So, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. I have Kevin I have Falcohol. Kevin, check out 
the site, thefalcoholic.com, for all that tremendous written content. Please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back. We'll have a new show coming for you on Friday morning. I'll be doing a, uh, a game preview for the Commanders game with George Carmi, who we, who we had on last year to preview the Commanders. Uh, so looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, we'll be back for the post game on Sunday. So until then, folks, have a great night. Uh, and we will see you next time here on the Falcock Live and Dirty Birds and Brews. Until then, folks, have a great night. See you guys.